When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Impact of Influence, the Murdoch family murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. We are so grateful you continue to spend time with us. It's really amazing, and uh, we are very, very, very appreciative. I'm Matt Harris, and of course, Seton Tucker by my side. They can find us where, Seton? You can find us on Facebook at Impact of Influence. And I uh, also want to give a shout out while we got you here about our other podcast we do with Michael DeWitt, the historian, journalist, storyteller. It's called The Wicked South, and we hope you will give that a listen as well, The Wicked South podcast on Facebook. So what's the big story today, Miss Seaton? Well, disgraced attorney Corey Fleming has been sentenced to 46 months, that's three years, 10 months, in federal prison, has been ordered to pay $102,000 in restitution and a $20,000 fine. He voluntarily surrendered to U.S. Marshals following the hearing and he is currently in the Charleston County Detention Center awaiting his federal prison assignments. And Corey Fleming, if you don't know, was best buddies with Alec Murdoch. They went to USC Law School, like about every player in this, <laughs> this drama has, has gone to USC Law School. Uh, also the godfather of Paul Murdoch, who Alec was convicted of murdering, and was in a video they showed during the trial. I, I believe it was uh, at Edisto. I think it was... Uh, Alex's birthday and Corey Fleming was there and uh, that just shows you how tight they were. They spent a lot of family time together as well. And uh, he was accused of ripping off the Gloria Satterfield, I say children, but they were adult children at the time. So the charges finally came down. And uh, what else do we know about this? Well, Corey still has some pending state charges and there's a trial scheduled for September 11th. And Corey is expected to plead guilty, and the sentence will run concurrently with his federal time. And by surrendering to the feds after the hearing, he doesn't take any chance of being remanded into state custody in case, you know, his guilty plea doesn't go as expected. Okay, so if he had said, I'm going to wait it out, they would have taken him to prison for the state thing. So he's just like, I'm going to start spending time. He wants yes. to start serving time. Yes. Get it out of the way. Uh, there was a pre-sentencing memo that Corey Fleming's attorney, Deborah Barbier, asked for a reduction, a 50 to 70 percent reduction, actually, to the federal sentencing guidelines. And is that three years, 10 months? Yeah. The guidelines were anywhere from three years, 10 months, 46 months, to four years, nine months. Okay. And sentencing guidelines, are they're a starting point for judges. These guidelines were set up to make sure that Sentences were consistent across the country. For example, you know, in the 70s, marijuana charges in California, someone might not receive the same sentence as someone in South Carolina because 
marijuana was considered just a, a bigger offense in South Carolina than gotcha. California. Oh, or like gun charges <laughs> in New, New York versus gun charges in Texas. Sure, sure, sure. There's been some criticism that this did not allow the judges much discretion. And under the federal sentencing statute 3553, judges are allowed to depart from this guideline. I, I think that's okay. Each individual case is so different. Now, there's factors to be considered in imposing a sentence. I'm reading from the statute. The court shall impose a sentence sufficient, but not greater than necessary to comply with the purposes set forth, paragraph two of this subsection. The court, in determining the particular sentence to be imposed, shall consider, here's some of the things under consideration, the nature and circumstances of the offense and the history and characteristics of the defendant, the need for the sentence imposed to reflect the seriousness of the offense, to respect for the law, to afford adequate turns to criminal conduct, to protect the public from further crimes, etc. Uh, the kinds of sentence and sentencing range established for the different categories issued by the Sentencing Commission, then it goes through through those the amount you can take off and that sort of thing, and violation of probation or supervised release, etc. Uh, also, any pertin- pertinent policy statement issued by the Sentencing Commission pursuant to a certain section of the code, and the need to avoid unwarranted sentence disparities among defendants with similar records who have been found guilty of similar conduct, and the need to provide restitution to any victims of the offense. So based on this 3553, you could get more time or less time uh, from the judge. And a reduction in Corey Fleming would would have put it more in the one to two year range. And federal prosecutor Emily Linehouse and Judge Gurgle mentioned the fact that Corey Fleming was an attorney and that he should be held to a higher standard. I guess, you know, maybe he should have known better being an attorney that the things that he was doing were, were wrong. Judge Gurgle found the guideline to be appropriate for Corey Fleming, and he, but he did give him the minimum sentence based on the guidelines, so he received 46 months. And during their hearing, we heard from friends, family victims, um, Eric Bland, Justin Bamberg, Corey Fleming even spoke, and the courtroom was packed, and it was packed with supporters of Corey Fleming. Yeah, I think they said 100-plus friends, and I, I believe Judge Gurgle even said something to the effect is there anyone left in Beaufort? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, I did read that. He has a lot of support. I, he did a lot of good for people, I guess, uh, and, and a nice guy. But what he did here was obviously very, very wrong. Well, when Corey Fleming spoke, his response was much different than Russell Lafitte. He took full responsibility, and he said he had made some terrible decisions. There was no excuse. Uh, I will live the rest of my life in regret and shame, and that he deserved to be punished. He apologized to the family of Gloria Satterfield and Hakeem Pinckney. State paper said that uh, Fleming was actually weeping at times. Yeah, so he, he did appear to be remorseful. And he apologized to the Satterfield family and also the Pinckney family. But we should note that he was not charged with crimes, federal crimes, in relation to Hakeem Pinckney. Because I think it was the statute of limitations had run. He does have charges in the state for his crimes against the Pinckney family. And that's the one that you said coming up on September 11th, and he's going to plead guilty. That's why it was okay. That's why he could say apologize because he doesn't have to cover his butt. Like Lafitte is still kind of not taking full responsibility, and I believe part of that is because he's he's appealing things. Right. Fleming is taking the hit here and doing what he has to do. Well, and speaking of appeal, we do now have. 
Russ Lafitte has officially filed notice of appeal in this federal case. And I kind of think this is this is crazy because he really didn't get that much time. Um, and since he he's also facing state court charges, there's a possibility that Russell Lafitte could end up in state prison. And I assume that's not where he wants to be. I mean, people want to be in federal, right? I mean, that's the general that's the general thing, the narrative that you hear. I, I, I don't think, know. I think so. I, right. I don't imagine that Russell Lafitte would enjoy being in state prison. Now, there's some ways uh, you can reduce the sentence. Yes, there's several ways to reduce the time spent in jail. And the first one is something called RDAP, and that's Residential Drug Abuse Program. And it's interesting because Judge Gurgle mentioned this in the sentencing hearings of both Russell Lafitte and Corey Fleming. So let's talk about what RDAP is. And this is from the Federal Bureau of Corrections website. RDAP is the Bureau's most intensive treatment program. CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, is used in a modified therapeutic community model where offenders experience living in a pro-social community. Offenders live in a unit separate from the general population. They participate in half-day programming and half-day work, school, or vocational activities, RDAP is typically nine months in duration. Yes, and there are a few things about this RDAP program. Um, You're usually not able to participate in this program until you have 24 months left on your sentence, but that's not always the case. Inmates also have to qualify for the program, and there has to be space available. So if you do complete this program, you can earn up to approximately a year off of your sentence. So, but if you can't start it for two years and get a year off, if you only have a three-year sentence, there'd be, well, I guess it would be okay because you still wouldn't have to be the general population. But there could be some flexibility with being True. able to start this program earlier. A little bit more about RDAP, according to the Bureau's website, uh, they say research findings demonstrated that RDAP participants are significantly less likely to recidivate and less likely to relapse to drug use the non-participants. Uh, they say it makes a significant difference in their life in the community. That's, that's their stand on it. Okay, so the second way that you are able to reduce the time spent behind bars is the First Step Act. The Federal Bureau of Prisons states this. On December 21st, 2018, President Trump signed into law the First Step Act of 2018. Side note, I believe that was the one that... Uh, Kim Kardashian was behind. This act was a bipartisan effort to improve criminal justice outcomes, as well as to reduce the size of the federal prison population, while also creating mechanisms to maintain public safety. And on the uh, Bureau of Prisons website, eligible inmates can earn time credits toward pre-release custody. Offenses that make inmates ineligible to earn time credits are generally categorized as violent or involve terrorism, espionage, human trafficking, sex and sexual exploitation. Additionally, excluded offenses are a repeat felon in possession of a firearm or higher-level drug offenses. So neither Corey Fleming or Russell Lafitte have to worry about that part yeah, of it. Yeah, it seems like they would, they would qualify for this program. Um, and basically, once you're in custody, inmates start earning one good day for every three. So that's a potential reduction of 25% of your time. Mm. And then the good time federal inmates can earn up to 54 days of good time credit for every year of their imposed sentence rather than for every year 
of their sentence served. The last thing we kind of need to talk about is this halfway house situation. When you're in a halfway house, you are technically still serving time. So Matt, explain to our listeners what this entails. Well, the the halfway house, uh, is it's run by somebody else, the, the, prison of, uh, the Bureau of Prison contracts with these, these centers uh, to provide assistance to inmates who are nearing release. And they provide a safe, structured, supervised environment, as well as employment counseling, job placement, financial management assistance, and um, other programs and services. They help inmates gradually rebuild their ties to the community and facilitate supervising ex-offenders activities during this readjustment phase. About six months. Yeah, I think this is typical if you complete the RDAP program that after completion of that, you would enter this halfway house situation. We're the first step act, that, that program well, right? Either, either one of those can lead you to the halfway house situation. But it's kind of weird because uh, neither Corey or Russell Feet need help going back into society. They're going to be, they've got family, they've got support, they've got friends, they've got, so it, like the halfway house, the way it's written is to, get people who back into the flow of the community and thing. And, so, and I'm sure they want to be there because it's better than being in prison, but it's not like they need vocational training or help or anything. Well, they might need help not doing criminal activities. <laughs> I, would, I hope they learned their lesson, but what do I know? Let's talk about one of our sponsors. It is Factor. You can eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh meal is never frozen and it is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, uh, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, and they are ready in just two minutes. What did you have chili the other day? Delicious. And if you want gourmet meals, you can try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, asparagus. So head to factormeals.com slash impact50 and use code impact50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code's IMPACT50 at factormeals.com slash IMPACT50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. IMPACT50 at factormeals.com slash IMPACT50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, so let's do the math. If Corey Fleming has approximately four years, he could get one year off for this first step and then another couple of months for good behavior and possibly another year off for this RDAP program and then maybe serve some time in the halfway house. So this would put him at serving less than two years behind bars. And this was really shocking to me that they would have to actually serve such little time. Yes. I mean, they know that when they're sentencing him. So it's not like it's a surprise to the judge, the prosecution. I feel like if he's going to make restitution, it's better to get him out there working and making some money to give to the people he ripped off. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But he does have to have a penalty. Okay, so let's talk about how federal prisons are set up. Russell Lafitte and Corey Fleming have both been recommended 
based on their sentences for medium security prisons. But that does not mean they're going to serve the entire time in a medium security facility. So let's go over these types of facilities and what they look like. This is interesting to me. Uh, minimum security institutions, also known as FCP or federal prison camps, they have a relatively low staffed inmate ratio and limited or no perimeter fencing. These institutions are work and program oriented. And then we have low security federal correction institutes. And these have double fence perimeters and mostly cubicle housing and a strong work program components. And obviously a higher staff to inmate ratio than the camps. And these these descriptions, Seton dug into the Bureau of Prison website and there's these are their descriptions. So the other one you have, so we started with the minimum security federal prison camp, low security Federal Correctional Institute, now the medium security FCIs and USPs designated to house medium security inmates. There they go. All right. Bottom line is more strength and perimeters, double fences, electronic detection systems, self-type housing, wide variety of work and treatment programs, higher staff to inmate ratio than the low security FCIs, and even greater internal controls. So after sentencing by the Federal Bureau of Prison, they determine where the inmate will be placed. And actually, the paperwork is not received or processed until after sentencing. I think we got that wrong in our last episode, so we need to correct that. Another correction. The way we understand it now is that the Federal Bureau of Prisons is not involved at all after sentencing. When sentencing happens, that's it. Federal Bureau of Prisons does what they tell them to do or or, or what they have room for. And the Federal Bureau of uh, Prisons will make recommendations based on sentencing and judge recommendation. So, like, you know, there's... Situations where some might be crowded that they wanted them to send or, or what whatnot. And I think they try to keep people as close to their home so fam- friends and family can visit. Judge Gurgle recommended that both Corey Fleming and Russell Lafitte go to the Jessup Federal Correction Institute in and, Georgia. Yeah, that's the one that's uh, it's a medium security correctional institute. Yeah, but yeah. nearby they have a low security satellite prison and a minimum security prison camp. Okay. If you're going to go somewhere, it sounds like a pretty good description. I'm not so sure. Um, In 2020, a total of 20 inmates at this facility were charged. And some of these offenses included contraband, primarily cell phones, narcotics, public indecency, and assault on a prison guard. Okay, but it's not like there's giant riots and people are sneaking in some contraband. So it's not like uh, if they had said a bunch of people were stabbed or something, I'd be like, oh, no. But, you know, people kicked some... Prisoners wanted to look at nudie photos and uh, sneak a phone in. Well, there was an assault on a guard. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> I mean, it's bad for the guard, but if I'm going to some place and there's been, in one year, there was one assault on a guard where some guy acted up, I'm like, eh. Was there assault on any of the prisoners? I don't see that listed. So. There could have been. This was just. True. There could have been. I, this was just one thing I saw. So we have not done a deep dive. So there could have been other offenses that we did not uncover. Right. And I mean, I, I would imagine that most prisons have some people sneaking in contraband. It doesn't sound super scary to me is all I'm, I'm saying. Okay. So uh, let's move to money. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. And Fitznews and Jen Wood, they did a bunch of reporting on this. Yeah. She did a deep dive into this $9 million of missing money. Mm-hmm. And in her article, she says uh, in between 2013 and 2017, Alec paid almost $26,000 to various pharmacies. And of course, we don't know what these prescriptions were. 
She points out that these payments ceased in 2018 when the government got stricter in regards to combating the opioid epidemic. So the implication, the implied thing is there that the she says she, from opioids. She says she doesn't know, but right, you don't know. It's it, it is an interesting thing to think about that he was spending a lot of money at pharmacies and that abruptly ended. Well, it's not like he ha- is denying that he took a lot of opioids. Uh, and also uh, financially, $3 million in checks. Wow. Passed through Cousin Eddie. 133000 a month before the murders of Maggie and Paul. 300000 between June 16th, 2021 and September 7th, 2021. The article also talks about a person named Kenny Hughes, who was paid $900,000 between 2010 and 2021. And Mr. Hughes, we heard about in the murder trial, there was an interview that Alec did with SLED on September 13th of 2021 after the murders of Maggie and Paul. And in this interview, Alec Murdoch says that Hughes was the guy he called up and asked him if he knew anybody he could buy pills from. Didn't say he bought them from him. Says he asked him if he knew anybody, right? right. But now we hear, we see a financial tie to this person. Yeah, $900,000 in 11 years, $90,000 a year. We don't know. There's been no report on what, if Kenny Hughes was doing anything for the family. We just know he was getting a bunch of money. Yeah. That's interesting. And we, we see some transactions between Alec Murdoch and Barbara Mixon. Barbara Mixon was the caregiver for Alec Murdoch's mother. And she was paid $278,000 between 2010 and 2021. In the same SLED interview that we talked about with Kenny Hughes, Alec Murdoch also says that he on occasion would buy drugs from Miss Mixon. Hmm. But we don't know. I mean, he could have been helping out in paying for his mother's caregiver. Possible. Sure. Two hundred two hundred seventy eight thousand, right? Over an eleven year period of time, right? So that's what thirty something thousand a year. It's not. Yeah, that's a not, lot. yeah, it's not a lot. But there is, you know, there is a financial connection between Alec Murdoch and Barbara Mixon. Some other players in this whole Murdoch drama, uh, and tied financially. Uh, one of them is Jerry K. Rivers. Remember Rivers and Roberts? They were. Before the murder trial began, uh, they are arrested and had some ties. And uh, Creighton Waters said it was part of the stream of money that was going into uh, Walterboro. Well, the Walterboro guy, Jerry Rivers, said in court that he never met Alec Murdoch. And he said he's been getting a bad name because being connected to Murdoch. Um, but he got in trouble for selling drugs to Murdoch's alleged co-conspirator. Cousin Eddie Smith. And so he went in front of Judge Clifton Newman in Kershaw County Court, and he pled guilty to money laundering and drug charges. The sentencing is going to be later. He faces five to 20 years. He's going to be able to go into a drug treatment program because he's been. Says he's been sober for nine months. Yeah. The state grand jury was investigating Murdoch's money when he became aware of Rivers, who was selling opioid pills to Cousin Eddie. And Rivers said he would source the pills from people he knew with prescriptions, get them from those people, and then sell large quantities of roxycodone and oxycodone to Smith, you know, upcharging him, make about $40 off of each pill. And uh, he said in court that he made like, he got about $88,000 he made. Um, At least the prosecutor said that. 
again, he said he never met Murdoch. He is also he was originally arrested on obstruction of justice charge and some other things. Uh, he was at this gambling table when he was arrested. And Rivers did this cell phone thing where he took a cell phone that was there. Yeah, I remember it was like this flip phone. They turned in a flip phone the next day yeah. or something weird um, like that. So he also defrauded credit unions by applying for auto loans and he had fake documents and a whole bunch of COVID-19 stuff where he said he had a different, couple of different jobs, which he didn't have. But uh, he's been called a gentle giant and his father died when he was young. Age 14, his mother had a stroke, leaving her disabled. And his aunt sent a letter, and the judge read it, and uh, Rivers teared up. Well, the thing that I'm disappointed in about this is that if it had come to a hearing, we would actually probably see more about this money trail. And now we're not going to get to see it because he pled. Right. Trial, they would have been asking him all kinds of questions. But now we're just going to have to accept that Cosmetic comes down and it gives him oxycodone, and that's that. Right. And we just, we're not able to see the evidence. Right. So we want you to reach out to us if you can on Impact of Influence Facebook page. We'd love it if you would share the episode, rate the episode, make a comment, and we have one. Yeah, we got a great comment on Apple. It says, love this podcast. They were there since way before the explosion of Murdoch popularity. Seton and Matt bring in experts and help explain local dynamics and opinion. Yes, it's amateur. We'll take that. Um, But they have never claimed to be anything but professional and thorough. I like the host, and I can tell you, unlike some others, they don't have a horse in the race. Just good, detailed coverage. Proud of you both. Congratulations on your success. Oh, thank you. Yes. What was the word again? Not professional. No. uh, I know. That was a little confusing to me. But, I mean, they amateur. 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 There we go. Well, yeah. Because I guess because we're not – we don't pretend to be super smooth. We're not – we don't script everything out. We just shoot the crap. And, and so occasionally we sound a little like uh, we don't know what we're talking about, but we do. Well, and at first we really were. I mean, we, True. we really were. We were really church. winging it. We were. Uh, but it's great. And again, we take the good, the bad, the ugly comments, and we just try to get better uh, because of them. So we, we really appreciate any comments. And also thank you to everyone who has reached out about the Shanquilla Robinson case. We are you know, still following it. And, you know, thank you for all the great comments we received last week about that. Exactly. And if you are uh, someone who can help him, not financially, we're talking about with a private investigator or an attorney or something like that, reach out to us. And uh, again, we'd love you to check out our other podcast, the Wicked South podcast that we do with Michael DeWitt. We think you would enjoy that too. Grateful as always, and we'll talk soon. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed Terror Takes Center Stage. 
Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.